Father, thank you. I just want to say thank you, Father, because I want to say thank you for all the people that came into my life and showed me what it's like to have a real relationship with Papa God. Father, I thank you that that term doesn't agitate me anymore. But I thank you, Father, for the revelation that you're a good God, that you're loving and that you're kind, and that we don't have to perform for you. All we have to do is just say, come on, God. Come on, Father. So, Father, help us. Holy Spirit, you know there are things you want me to articulate tonight, and I just thank you for the wisdom that you've given me. But I just need to know I need to be led by you every step of tonight. So I ask for the spirit of prophecy to be released. You've got something you want to directly say to somebody, Father. I ask you to just let that go. Father, I pray for um, a teaching anointing. I pray for just all the things that you are available to me. You know, that's a good prayer. All of this is available to us and forever will change us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so there's two things I want you to remember about God, about our Father. Anybody in here struggle with this new term that's going around, Papa God? Anybody here struggle with that a little bit? I did. Am I that bad? <laughs> it, had, it irritated me. People go around saying, oh, Papa God, you know, my Papa. And I'm sitting there thinking, he's God. <laughs> he is God. And I struggled with that. Honestly, I did, and I struggled with that till I saw that movie, The Shack. You know, and some of you may like it, some of you don't, may not. I don't know. God is going to use whatever he wants to use in your life to change your, his, your image or whatever. I love that movie. And many, many reasons I love that movie. But that movie helped me to understand we can have a relationship with Father God that, that's not so far out there that he's unapproachable or untouchable. But let's back up a minute. I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe he's a sovereign God. I believe he's a holy God. So I worship him in all of his characteristics. But it's so nice to know that I'm not going to go to hell for every little thought I have. You know, it's, somebody gave me a, a towel the other day and it says, I love Jesus, but I drink a little. <laughs> How did they know that? <laughs> I love wine. I'm sorry if you don't like wine. I love, I'm, I don't, you know, I'm not an alcoholic. But I love communion. Okay, I like a lot of communion. Okay. <laughs> I just love to be normal. I love to, to feel like I'm comfortable. I love to feel like I can be real with Father God. And I don't have to hide somewhere anymore. Or I don't have to be one person on Sunday and another person on Monday and three other people on Tuesday. I've gotten rid of my spiritual schizophrenia. And I can just be me. And I can just be me in a safe place with a heart of a loving Father. See, we're all hungry for that. We all absolutely want to feel so comfortable in his presence. How are you going to get there? I have to change. I had to change. You have to understand. I had to change my belief structure. Let me finish that sentence. You have to understand, I was born saved. Anybody in this room born saved? If you were born in the Baptist church, you were born saved. So I was born saved. 
And I was born with parents who loved me and taught me the ways of the Lord. And I'm forever grateful for my heritage. But I was also born with that legalistic, you have to measure everything. I mean, you have to be doing all this or you're going to hell. And, and you know, I, I spent most of my life worrying about going to hell. I wasted so many years on fear and worry that I could have been relating to this father, to this fellow who wants to relate to me. How you get there? And he wants to fulfill a destiny in me. You see, here's the deal. When I tried to do it the legal way, the legalistic way, I knew nobody, I had no influence, nothing ever changed. And when we had this revelation of love, through our experience with the shack, through our experience through Toronto, when God just placed all these amazing people in our life, that they didn't tell us what to do. They lived love in front of us. And, and so I have a prophetic word for this church. You know, because you could walk into this church. Oh, my gosh, I go, I might be in Toronto. I've spoken there many times. I might be in a little tiny church. This church, this family, as soon as you walk into the room, you have something that not a lot of other churches have. I hope you cherish it. I hope you cherish it because I go so many places to where you just want to throat punch people. <laughs> Kick them out of the kingdom. I'm for that. Nah. But you know what I mean. Places to where you don't feel like you're, you're comfortable or you're valued or you can even live your destiny. Places where your voices are shut down. This is not that place. Be grateful for that. And the, re the only reason why I believe I'm here this weekend is because, Father God, it's not that you guys don't know what I'm going to share this weekend. You do. But Father's going to take you to a new level of some stuff. So it doesn't hear. You may have heard what I'm, some of the things I'm going to share this weekend, but it doesn't hurt to hear it again. Let me tell you, I, I study before I go anywhere. So if I have to review this material 9,222 however many times, you're going to have to do it one more time, okay? <laughs> okay. So I want to encourage you tonight that if you don't do anything else, I want you to remember two things to remember about Father. These two things will change your life forever. And we sang about one of them, God is good. No matter what your circumstances are, God is good. Where's the Chris Kilala? Tim. Tim, where did Tim go? Tim, can you come out here just a minute, please? You come over here. Anybody ever tell you you look like Chris Kilala? You know who he is? Oh, of course, you do. <laughs> well, Chris Kilala, for those of you who don't know, is the lead singer and was one of the people that established Jesus culture. You, I don't know that you look entirely like, of course, is a friend of mine, so you know, I know what Chris looks like. You're actually bigger than Chris. He's kind of a short fella. But, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I thought he was this ginormous giant. And then I met him, and he's eye-height to me just about. But anyway, um, I just feel like the Lord wants you to know that there's anointing on your life for a different style of music. And I don't know if you're a songwriter. I don't know what you may not be, but I feel like you're fixing to. <laughs> God's fixing to give you some songs and, and be open to them because it's going to be a different style. It's going to be your style. It's going to be your format. And one of the ways it changed for Chris, and this isn't going to happen to you, so no fear here or whatever, but when Chris's son died, 
you know, when Jet died at, at seven months in the womb, um, that wasn't what they were praying for. This is Jesus culture. They're supposed to have got the miracle, and they didn't get the miracle. And so one of the things that Chris said is that he had to figure out if he believed that God was good no matter what all the time. And so he began to write these songs, and he wrote Miracle, and he wrote Fierce Love, and he wrote Let It Echo, all out of that experience that tried his foundational belief of who Father God is. And I just feel like it, it was a different kind of music. Right. And I just want, I feel like the Lord wants you to know there's going to be some new sounds, and I keep hearing new sounds are ringing. New sounds are going to be ringing out of you. I don't know that you feel like you're prepared. I don't know that you feel like that's your call, but I'm just telling you. Something is coming out of you. Whoa. Hey, something is coming out of you that's different than anything else you've ever thought or dreamed about. And so, Father, we just release that anointing and we release that mantle over Tim in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that his eyes would be open, that his heart would be ready. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Just receive. Don't try to figure it out up here anymore. Just rest. Just rest in what he's saying, son, and what he's doing because there's a generation that needs you. There's a generation that needs what's going to come out of you. Hey. Not going to happen unless you rest some. I just feel like you're supposed to rest. There's a striving, please, this is not, don't take this as a corrective word. But there's a striving. The Lord wants you to rest. He's got some beautiful songs. He's got some beautiful stuff that's going to come out of that place of belonging, just knowing who you are. So stop it. Stop it. Just rest. Beautiful. Beautiful. Are you married? Yeah. You are married. Okay. Whoa. Do you have children? I do. How many? I have two. Two children. I just had a new baby, one month old. Whoa. Well, congratulations. They're awesome. <laughs> bring you, they'll bring some stuff in your life, but that's okay. <laughs> Hey, good. Hi. <laughs> Some of your songs are going to be written about your story. And so pay attention to your story and their story. Because I just feel like you're going to, your songs are going to be more storytelling-like things put to music. You may, somebody may come into your life as a songwriter as far as music. I don't know. But I'm just saying it's going to come. And maybe your wife can, what's your name, sweetheart? Kylie. Kylie, Okay. That's a beautiful name, too, by the way. Um, some of the songwriting may actually come from her. So anyway, I see you together as a team. I see other people come into your life to bring this about, but it's going to be like storyland, you know, story, whatever. But your story is going to be the bread that's going to change other people's lives. So Thank you. bless you. Bless you. Yay. Okay, now let me get back to... What I'm trying to say, I'm still on page one. <laughs> All right, number one, two things to always remember. God is good. Keep that truth forever, no matter what. No matter what, keep that truth in front of you. God is good, no matter what your situational circumstance. 
no matter what your crises, no matter what your good stuff is. God is good. And number two, this is the one to remember. Love is a gift. Love is a gift. Tell your neighbor that. Love is a gift. It's not a reward. It's not a reward. Did you hear that? You are loved just as much right now, right where you are in the middle of your whatever because you belong to him. Saved or unsaved, you belong to him. You know, because he created the world. He created everything in it. So saved or unsaved, we belong to him. And if we belong, we will become what he believes about us. So we have this little saying, belong, become, believe. And so if you'll live from that standard. I'm a mom, and as a mother in the kingdom of God, I love to brood. Matthew tells us about brooding. You know what the definition of brooding is? It means creating an environment for your growth and development. And so mothers in the kingdom love to do that. And that's what I want to do this weekend is I want to create an environment no matter, no matter where you are, no matter what situational circumstance you're in, you're going to grow out of it. Amen. One thing I wish I'd have learned 40 years ago is that my mess is a message for somebody else. And that's why we've gone all over the world. Our materials have been in every country, on every continent. Isn't that awesome? little girl from Red Bank, South Carolina, because, see, I wrote those books with my husband. I've written other books since he's died. But you know, more importantly, what I've done? I've gotten with people like you guys, and I've got to travel the world, and I've got to meet people, and I've got to be a part of facilitating their marker moment. All of us need a marker moment. For us, it was with a little guy named Jack Winter. I think I'm just going to talk to y'all for a little bit tonight, and then I got one chart I want to show you. But, but um, we had a, a man come into our life, and his name was Jack Winter. Now, isn't that awesome of God? Jack Winter, five foot six, led Jack Frost, six foot five, into a revelation of the Father's love. That is awesome. But you, 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 th you know what I see in that? is the intimate details. James 5.11 tells us he cares right down to the last detail of your life. I used to not believe that. You know, because I was so religious, I would sit in church and fulfill my duty, sing my songs, but I never stepped out into these scriptures like that. He cares right down to the last detail. Well, you don't understand. Chris Kilala could have said, my baby died. He could have. But God cares right down to the last detail. And even though that happened, look at the miracle songs that are coming out of Jesus' culture in Bethel right now. A lot of them are because of the environment, the brooding that takes place out there, because of the stepping into their destiny without performing for it. Now, people that work for me, I love for you to perform. Makes me look good. But I love you even when you perform bad because I know I'm loved. I know I'm loved. But there's a place, there's a destiny. And I think, the, I don't know if you guys see it or not, but I see it everywhere I go. People are leaving church. I was in a church a couple months ago up in Michigan. That church was 800 strong 11 years ago. There's like 50 people in that church now. And I'm like, what happened? Well, the pastor died, this happened, that happened. They had a list of things that happened. But I think what happened more than anything else was that 
people got tired of playing the church game. And now they've got a pastor in there that's helping people understand their why and their voice. And that's giving them a platform to where they're loved and they're motivated to step into their identity. So many people don't know their identity. And I'm telling you, this generation, the millennials, they're not going to come to church just because you think they ought to. They're not going to come to church just because you've got a great worship team. They're going to come to church because they're hungry to belong. And, and I'm hungry to belong. I want to be a part of a community, a place to where I can belong. And those are the churches that you're going to, like your church, these are the churches that we're going to see prosper whenever we can create an environment. When I walked through this, into this sanctuary, I mean, I felt welcomed as soon as I came in. But when I hit that door right there, I felt, I'm home. If I lived here, I'd be home. For me, a perfect stranger, to feel that about you guys, this is what the world is looking for, is a place to belong, not to perform. How are you going to do that? Well, I think we need, there's two criteria, and you might want to write these down. There are two criteria that, need, that is needed on your part in order to create a community like this. And the first one is faith. You see, you can't just create another great worship team or whatever on Sunday morning of faith. You guys seem to me like you have a faith for change. You have a heart for change. You have a heart for people. And look, they don't have to look like you. Everybody doesn't have to look like you or you. I love your man bun, by the way. My son, <laughs> my son has hair like yours, and he loves his man bun, and I love it. My mama would have hated it. My mama would have said, I'm going to hold you down and cut that hair right off you. You're too old to be wearing a man bun. See, that's religion. You know, trying to put somebody in our box instead of saying, wow, that is amazing. You know, and I think as we create a culture to where we have faith in what's not seen nor as the norm, you know, when, you, when we get our faith back in people, when we get our faith back in ourselves, I think people are going to be drawn into this place. And, and as you become that, see, here's, here's the thing for you guys. That's what you're becoming. That's, you're not going to, if you guys ever settle for church's norm, oh my God, you don't do that now, so I don't have to worry about that. But oh my gosh, you're not the normal church. You're lovers. You're believers. I just want, as a mom of the kingdom, I just want to bless you to be comfortable with that. I think your pastor is trying to create that really, really hard. So be, be comfortable in your identity. Okay, but we have to have a faith in what's not seen. How do you see yourself? How do you see this church? How do you see this community? Because you've got to go out from here into your community if you're going to win the loss. So how do you see that happening? You know what the definition of faith is? Faith is believing in what's not there as though it were, right? Let me show you a quick video. If y'all could play the crazy grandma video, I want to show you a cute video on what faith is. I love this video.
crazy lady do? She went out into her community and got those people to believe in what wasn't theirs, though it were. And you see that one lady went, I believe, I believe. See, that's what we're called to do. We're called to create an environment of faith to where we can see it. If you can see it, you can be it. If you can see who you are and what you're supposed to be, not only will it change your world, it will, as you join together with your brothers and sisters in this church, it will change this community. It will change Canada. Go, tell, go ask John Arnott. You know, one man, one woman that simply said yes to whatever it is you want. Because, you see, they had a heart. They had a dream for revival. And revival to them meant, if, I think if they had realized what revival, that revival was going to mean for the next at least nine years, that three to 8,000 people were going to be in their church every night, I think they would change their mind about revival. <laughs> but you see, there was Trisha and Jack Frost that happened upon that marker moment of revival and forever caused us to step into our identity, step into my destiny, and now I'm just living my life. Who'd have thunk that I'd have been here tonight? Who'd have thunk that I'd been in half the places that I've been? Who'd have thunk I'd have met um, Clint Gresham? Who'd have thunk that Justin Bieber would have been in some of our meetings? Who would have thunk all these things? Me? Really? All those things have happened. I did meetings with Paul Young a couple months ago. Are you bragging again? Of course, mark it. That's number two. <laughs> it's what God has taken, a simple, ordinary person who said yes. And man, the adventure that I've been on, I never would have thunk. Some of you are sitting here right now thinking, we never would have thought we'd have been walking with Trisha Frost. That's right. <laughs> you see, I... It's so much nicer to be who I am and not be afraid than to live my life in fear. And that's the second thing that we need. Number one, we need faith. Faith to believe in what's not there as though it were. Faith to believe that I can do all things in Christ who made me to begin with. The second thing we need is courage. After my husband died, um, it's been... Almost 11 years ago. Gosh, I can't believe it's been that long. Almost 11 years ago now, whenever he died, I had no idea. I always lived underneath Jack's shadow. You, any of you guys live underneath somebody's shadow? Come out. Come out. It's not where God wants you to be. Nothing wrong with me supporting my husband. But that I lived there out of fear. So... Bill sent me a Bill Johnson. You guys are familiar with Bill, I guess, in Jesus' culture and all that? Aren't they good people? I mean, they're friends of mine. Who'd have thunk? I mean, really, who'd have thunk? Uh, so anyway, I could go on and on and on about that. But Bill sent me a book right after Jack died. And he put a little note in. The book wasn't even on the market yet. And I want to encourage every one of you to buy this book. It's called Strengthen Yourself in the Lord by Bill Johnson. There's the DVD series. There's everything. Bill sent me that book, and he put a little note in it. This was before it was published. He sent me the transcript. And he goes, Trisha, you've got some hard decisions to make, and I pray that you will make decisions of courage, that this book is all about courage. And so I picked the book up. People sent me, I mean, gosh, I probably had a stack of books this high on how to grieve. I couldn't put any of them up. I just wasn't ready to grieve. I didn't want to be put on widow's row. 
You know, I didn't want people to consider me. I was only 52 years old when Jack died. I wasn't even quite 52. I just told you how old I was. Some of you caught it. But anyway, I was a young widow, and I didn't want to be put on widow's row. I wanted to fulfill my destiny. I don't care how old you, you are. I've traveled 600,000 road miles in the last nine years. I never would have thought. So he told me, he goes, Trisha, you need courage. And I pray that you, pay, you take the courage of what's written in this book. And I just want to real quickly read the introduction to the book to you. Because it says this, it's a time to be of great courage. Anybody believe that? If you're going to do anything for the kingdom of God, you're going to have to have the courage to find out your why and remove the hindrances. And this weekend, we hope that we can help you at least identify a couple hindrances. Because some of you feel stuck. I feel that right now. Some of you feel stuck in a place to where you know you're not supposed to be, but you simply don't know how to get out, and you've worshipped your way out, you thought. You've lived by the letter of the law, you thought. But I think for some of you, you're stuck because you're trying to be what you're not instead of who you and what you were created to be. And we're going to talk about that this weekend. We're going to talk about how ungodly beliefs, and some of you know that, but we're going to talk about it from an orphan mindset, how that works. But anyway, would any of you agree with me that it's time? Does the world look like we need some courage in our world to move on? I don't know of a time when strength and courage, this is Bill talking, were more needed. But I don't say this because of the darkness of the hour. That's a given. Is it not a dark hour out there? Are we focused on the darkness? What's the name of your church? So what are you focused on? That's right. I say it because of the realm of God's promises that linger over the church. I want everybody to reach up because there's promises. just They're just lingering right now over your church. Pull one down for you. Pull one down for you. Someone to believe it. Someone to say yes. That's me, Lord. I said yes. And because I said yes in the greatest crisis in my life, in my situational circumstance, Father God gave me the courage to get up and live Trisha and not be ashamed of being Trisha. You know how many people tried to get me to be Jack whenever Jack died? I mean, we had an amazing international ministry. But it, I don't mean this in any way ugly, but it's a man's world. It really and truly is a guy's world. And I had this ministry dumped in my lap. Some of you don't believe that I'm writing. I'm, help, I'm not writing the book with him, but I'm helping Randy Clark. Y'all know Randy around here? I'm collaborating with Randy about we're writing a book on It's a Man's World and what that looks like. How do we switch that? How do we change that? But anyway, so because it's a man's world, all these people kept trying to tell me, well, Jack wouldn't do it that way. They have no idea what was going on in my head. No idea. When they would tell me, I know he, my son's a state trooper. What you do, you put your fingers together like that, and you stick your finger like that, and you aim for right here. It, it works. I've been trained. So spiritually, I throat punch people all the time. Especially when stupidity comes into the room. I'm not good with stupidity. I'm sorry, I'm not. We don't have to be stupid people. We walk in our destinies believing in who Father God said we are. Anybody, any guy in here got on a pair of slip-on shoes up here close to the front? Just a pair of slip-on. 
I guess I'm, you're going to have to do it. I need your shoes. So anyway, yeah, please. So anyway, people were telling me, you just need, Jack would do it this way. I had a pastor's wife tell me one time that I was going mentally insane because I wouldn't listen to Jack. Jack's in the, he's in heaven. He's dead. How am I going to listen to Jack? But people told me that and said, the ministry's going to die. This is going to happen. This is going to happen because you're not Jack. I knew I wasn't Jack. But you see, here, this is just a great illustration. Some of our images of ourselves are so bad that we want to be somebody else instead of who we are. This is Jack's coat, so we'll just put this on. After he died, I tried so... I'm going to have to just do that right now. I tried so hard to be Jack. Jack wore a size 15 shoe. Pretty close, looks like. That's a 10, but it still looks good. So here I am as Jack. I am not comfortable. Do I look comfortable? But I'm trying to wear a mantle that's not mine. I'm trying to be somebody that I'm not. So, Ian, would you come up here, please? <laughs> Stick those on. I'll hold you up. You don't care if I hold him, do you? Okay. Here we go. Come on. You can do it. All right. Let's walk. Let's walk. You just do what you're supposed to do, and I'll be Jack, and we'll both be comfortable in somebody else's identity. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Are you comfortable? Not at all. Okay. <laughs> but some of you are doing that. You're trying to live out of an identity. Thank you. Live out of somebody else's identity, and it's that crazy looking. Why? I think we try to be something that we're not because our image of who Father God is is so messed up sometimes. And see, we see our Father God is a punisher. If you don't do everything right, if you don't live everything the way this one or that one tells you to live it, then you're going to be punished. Now, let me tell you, I have, I've had bad behavior. Anybody in here ever had any bad behavior? Thank you. The one person in the room. Well, over here's a couple more. The two people in the room, the honest people. I've had bad behavior. There are consequences for bad behavior. Please, please. I'm not so sloppy agape that I don't believe in consequences. I do believe in consequences. But what I believe in more, that he is able. When I mess up, he's able. And so I don't have to be something that I'm not supposed to be, to be who I was created and intended to be. But in order to be that, am I making sense to you people? In order to be that, I've got to change my image of who Father God is for me. And Father for me now is love. Like I told you, I, I did these meetings with Paul Young, the author of The Shack, a few months ago. And I got to have every one of my meetings, uh, meals for four days with Paul Young. I've never in my life met a person that walks as intimately with Papa as he does. And I thought I had a great revelation of the Father's love. I thought my image had been changed from angry God to the God of love. I thought I was living in my destiny until I met him. So that's why I'm saying some of you guys may be in that place, but to this weekend you're going to go to the next level. You're going to go to the next place of believing that you can be who God intended you to be. Are you quirky? 
Are you a little weird? Some of you are. I can point you out. <laughs> and some of you may act like a flake. If you're a flake, stop it right now. You're just try and draw attention to yourself. Stop being a flake. Be who you're intended to be. The definition of weird, by the way, is pertaining to fate or destiny. That's the archaic, the first meaning given to that word is, so you go be weird, okay? And go be weird. <laughs> no. But you see what I'm saying? There's a liberty coming to the church. There's a liberty not to sin. We're not giving you a license to sin. How many of you needed a license to sin anyway? Some of you are doing a really great job. <laughs> Proud of you. <laughs> but some of you just need to try to figure some stuff out. And you're stuck in a situational circumstance. And you could be stuck there because you believe that God's still angry. He's not an angry father. I don't care how bad you mess up. He's not an angry father. Father, I wish I'd have got that revelation. Years ago, I wish my image of you were so different years ago. But did I waste all this time? Not in his eyes. In his eyes, I haven't wasted one day because he's redeemable. Everything's redeemable. Everything's restorable. And now I believe that. <coughs> I believe that. Why? Because I changed my image of the angry God. Some of you are out there saying, life's too hard. There's a scripture, Matthew eleven twenty seven. Any of you familiar with that one? It says this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Because you see, that's the condition of many churches that I go into. I had a pastor. I have a beautiful home on the water, and God allows me to bring pastors, and you guys are welcome anytime y'all want to come into my home and just love on them whenever they're tired, when they're worn out. I had a young pastor, 32 years old, just took a church a year ago, come into my house, and the whole time he talked, he would sit there and he would go, and then he would talk to me, and he'd go, and he'd talk to me, and I finally looked at him, I go, what is the matter with you? And he goes, well, I took the church a year ago from my dad, and he goes, I've had no peace since. I thought to myself, we can't do that. We can't do that anymore. And the reason, I think a lot of the reason for him being that way was because he's taken up so much of what everybody else should be. Not what they should be doing, but just what they should be. So he surrounded himself now with people like our ministry, with other people that help people. He brings us into his church to help people be motivated to step into their destiny. Why? Because they don't need to do everything. And I'm not saying that's going on in your church, but it's going on in many churches. So Matthew 27 is this. Are you tired? Are you worn down? Are you burnt out on religion? Then come to me. Get away with me, and I'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And guys, I think we're in a revival of grace, whether you like it or not. You know, I'm not saying sloppy agape. There are consequences to behavior. But in order to be in a revival of grace, we've got to understand what love is all about. And in order to understand what love is all about, you've got to believe that you're loved. You've got to believe that you have destiny, that there's a plan and there's a purpose for your life. Son, what's your name? You. Brad. Brad? Yep. Oh, Brad, that's a great name. Do I know you? You look familiar to me. 
no, never met you or whatever. Uh, Brad, I just keep going back and forth, and as soon as you came in and sat down, I began, I saw you, and I noticed you, and I kept saying, well, God, he doesn't look like anybody. I mean, usually that's how I get something. He looks like somebody I know or whatever. And I just feel like the Lord wants you to know that, that the reason that you don't is because there's such a unique design upon your life. And I'm just going to be mama here for a minute. Is that okay with you? You've not lived up to the potential. This is not condemning, judgmental, or shameful. This is exciting because Father God has got some very new things for you. You've dreamed about them. You're passionate for them. So there's something that's just not been birthed to life yet. And so Father God wants you to know tonight's your marker moment. He's breathing on this tonight. He's breathing on whatever this is. And there's going it, to, it's, I, I'm sure you're lively or whatever, but there's coming a new life inside of you. Because finally, I keep hearing the words, finally, finally, I'm going to get to fulfill whatever, what I was made for. And so I don't have all the ins and outs of that. And maybe as the weekend goes on, I might get more or whatever. But I'm just saying to you, son, there's a, there's an activation and um, a passionate response that's going to be coming from you because he sees what you've been crying out for. He sees what you've been dreaming about. He's not forgotten you, and that's the other thing, is that there's been a feeling of abandonment. And the Lord wants you to know he never abandoned you, and whatever the crisis situation was, you were never abandoned, and he's got some new life and some new things, but timing was everything. Season was everything. Is this your wife? Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Beautiful. You did good. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> you better say yes. You want her to throw past you? <laughs> My gosh. What's your name? Donna. You remind me of a friend, one of my team members, and her name is Don. Does she look like Don to you? You know Don? I don't know that you know Don and JT. But anyway, Don's a beautiful girl. And, um,. All of her life, she's been past. She's been a fiery little redhead, just like you, you know, that fiery, you know, um, crackle, whatever. And uh, Don's just been a spark. And JT, it's like you got to sometimes put a, a gun up underneath him and blow him into the next thing. But on the other hand, you got to hold uh, Don back sometimes. But they have found, and JT came out of the mafia, so the two of them just do not go together at all. But y'all do. But what I'm saying is that God's fixing to mesh something so strong here that what you've been crying out for that you don't think's come fast enough and what you've been dreaming about that you want to come but you're just not sure you're ready for it, there's a timing of the Lord that's coming together for y'all and is going to meld these two things together. And, and you're going to know what they are. I don't like to give dates. You know, I don't want to say in six months this is going to happen. But you're going to know when it does. Because things are going to start coming to you. Things that have been hard before are going to be easy now. Is that okay? Okay, good word. I really want to get to this chart. And so it's 840-something. So anyway, that word there in Matthew, um, Matthew 11:30 says this. My yoke is easy for my burden is light. See, some of us are stuck in the fact that, that life is too hard. It's too hard to find our identity. It's too hard to step into our destiny. I don't know that I can do it. So there goes fear. There goes whatever the ungodly belief structure is that's keeping you from being fully 
developed and devoted. Father's changing that in the world, and it goes back to having faith to believe and having the courage to step into it. And so some of you this weekend, you're going to gain both of those things. But let's look at what that word easy. See, I love to study the Aramaic. I love to study the Greek. I love to study the Hebrew. I'm not a scholar. I just love words. That word easy there means this, well-fitting. Why on earth would that be in the Bible? Matthew 11:30 says this, the plan the yoke that God has for you is uniquely designed for just you. Isn't that awesome? That is absolutely amazing. So why are so many of us afraid to step into our destiny? Because it all goes back, and we're going to learn that this weekend, it all goes back to that safe place in the heart of a loving father. Some of you are sitting out there, you're going, but, but what if I fail? What if you don't? But what if I do? But what if you don't? Fail simply means first attempt in learning. Well, what if I mess up? What happens? Did anybody in here ever mess up? <laughs> Pastor, put your hand down. No. <laughs> anybody in here ever mess up? I mean, I'm honest. Anybody in here ever mess up? Do you promise God all the time that you'll do better next time? Do you make that promise? All right, let's look, let's look at that next little video real quick, and then we're going to get into a chart. I want you to look at this video about somebody that messes up and what happens. I love videos. It helps put the point across. The little girl so sorry. Tori, what are you doing? I didn't quit. Are you supposed to be doing that? Uh-huh. Where'd you get it? Uh, in that book. With that strawberry in court. What mommy had set aside to take to Mimi and Pop's house for us to eat. I'm sorry, Dad. Yeah, right. I'm sorry I did it without you asking me. About me. How sorry are you? Uh, very sorry. You don't look very sorry. If you're sorry, you wouldn't keep doing it. Talk to the hand. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the way we think as people? You know, whether Christian, non-Christian, or whatever. I'm sorry. I won't ever do it again. But that cool whip. That cool whip. You put whatever it is you lust over in that place that keeps you stuck that keeps you stuck in believing that no matter how many times you mess up, you can always run back to the bosom of the Father. He's always there. But see, we've been taught that he's angry. We've been taught, or my generation, maybe some of you younger guys, the way y'all worship wasn't taught this, but our generation was taught that there's an angry God and that he's mean and that he's mad at you and you have to perform for a place in his heart. And every time you perform, you're going to mess up. You're going to run back to your cool whip. And when you run back to the cool whip, you start licking the cool whip again, you just, shame comes in. And you just feel shamed and shamed and shamed. And see, Father never intended for us to feel shame. 
not even when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. They shamed themselves. He didn't shame them. And so what we're trying to say is that our image of who the nature of the Father God is needs to change on a more level for some of you, but it has to change for the world. In order for the church, because you see the church, the world's tired of coming to an to the church. They're tired of coming to an orphanage. They want to come to a home. And if you want those orphans, if you really want them to come into your church doors, we've got to change how we see Father God. And then we go and present that and represent that to the world. You can come to me and you can come on a street corner and I love evangelism, just so you know. But you can come and you can tell me how much God loves me all you want, and I'm not going to believe it if I'm stuck in a situational circumstance. Right. If I'm stuck in a belief structure, I don't care how good your life is, I'm not going to believe it till right. you show me. Right. And then when you show me, really? There is a loving Papa. There is a Father God that's not going to send me to hell for going to the casino around the block. <laughs> You guys, we passed the casino coming in. But you see what I'm saying? But there's a, there's a loving father who's created a world for me. And the sad thing again, please, no shame. Shame off you. No shame whatsoever. But gosh, I wish I'd have had this revelation of the father years ago before I did. Because it's so nice living. Now, if my husband were alive, he would run over to Ian's lap. I'm not going to do it, so don't worry. He would run over to Ian's lap and just jump in his lap and sit in his lap and kiss all over him. I'm not going to do that. But that's how comfortable, that's how comfortable Father God wants us to feel with him. You know, the Bible's called him the Lion of Judah. He is a lion. He is ferocious. Only when he's protecting his babies. But he's loving and he's kind. And see, it took years and years and years and some more years for us to get this revelation to the point to where it changed how we related to him. And when it changed how we related to him, it changed how we did family. And when it changed how we did family, it stopped the generational cycle and curses. Stopped with my generation. No more. No more. But I had to change. And if y'all could, I don't know if you can find it back in the sound room, but we're going to skip over on the PowerPoint now. We're going to go to the chart of the image of God. And we're going to run through this chart. And then we're going to be done tonight. Is that okay with y'all? And we're going to have communion. Do y'all like communion? You're going to love how I do communion. But if y'all could get whoever has the, the communion wafers, if you could get those ready for me, please. But here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you tonight that how do we change our image of who Father God is? Your image may not need to be changed, but again, the world's image does. Right. He's not the angry God. How do we see Jesus so loving and kind and yet Father so mean and angry and out to get you? How do we present that? And that may not be what y'all have presented, but that is what religion has presented to the world, and it's why people are running away from churches, and they're running away from family because they want family. They want to feel safe in the heart of a loving father, in the heart of a loving mother. 
And so how are we going to do this as we change our image of who Father God is? Will that come in one at a time, or did that have to be put up all of them at one time? If it come, if it won't tra- do the transition, that's okay. It will do the transition? Okay. Well, we're going to start with that then real quick. But if somebody had convinced me of these scriptures, you know, before... Um, Years and years and years ago, somebody had convinced me of especially one scripture, Psalms 139. That whole chapter is really good. But Psalms 139 teaches us about Father God has many thoughts about you. See, I thought that the only time he thought about me is if I did something bad. And when I did something bad, he had, I had his full attention. But that word says in Psalms 139, it says that his thoughts are vast. You know what the meaning of the word vast is? Many. Nobody ever told me that God thinks about me many, 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 many times a day. See, it's it's what we focus on. If we focus on lies and word curses, if you focus on you have no value, if you focus on on all the things that people have told you that you can't be or that you should be and you don't want to be. If you focus on that, you'll become that. But when we focus on what the Word really, really says, then we'll step into this. And that's why it's so important to change our image of who He is so that we can live it to the world. And the other scripture I want you to write down is is Psalms 45. Psalms 40, verse 5. Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward me can't be recounted. They are more than can be numbered. How many numbers are there? Somebody tell me, how many numbers are there? They're infinite, right? Well, the word just said that his thoughts toward you are infinite. I didn't get that in Sunday School 101. Did anybody else in here get that in Sunday School 101 before you came to this church? I didn't get that. This is the word. This isn't me telling you this. This is the word saying this. Jeremiah 29, 11. Y'all know that one. I know the plans. I know the thoughts. See, look at your neighbor and said, he thinks about you. Right now. Right now. He's thinking about you. And he, you know what he's thinking about me right now? He's going, she's doing an amazing job up there, isn't she? <laughs> It's the truth. I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're thoughts and plans for your welfare and peace. They're not for evil. I want everybody to repeat that with me. He can't think evil. How do I know that? 1 Corinthians 13 says this. Love thinks no evil. All right. Who is love? 1 John. God is love, period. Not God is love if everything's going all right in your world. God is love, period. We, we happy with that? All right, the word just says right there, 1 Corinthians 13, love, God, thinks no evil. But you don't understand, I messed up. You don't understand, he's the angry God that's out to get me. You don't understand, but, and you may not believe that, but the world does. The people that you encounter in the grocery stores, the people that you just walk up to, they're looking for love. And love thinks no evil 
But see, we think evil about ourselves because we've been told that he's angry and that he's mad at us. And so that's why it's so, so important to get these scriptures down, to renew your mind. Why do we need to renew our mind so that we can become like Jesus? You know, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, From glory to glory we're forever being transformed into what? Into his image. Okay, my goal is to become like Jesus. Now, who is Jesus like? Well, Hebrews 1.3 says this, the Son perfectly mirrors the Father. So my goal is to be like Jesus, and Jesus will introduce me to the Father. See, Jesus' only job is not to give you fire insurance. Jesus' job is to introduce you to the Father. Well, what Father do you want him to take you to? Do you want him to take you to the father of your situational circumstance? The father that, that you feel like is going to crush you? See, guys, this is what I'm saying. This is why it's so important to get a hold of this image of the nature of who father really is. So we're going to run through this chart really quick, and then we're going to break agreement with any way we've seen our father any other way. All right. So if Jesus... If he perfectly mirrors the Father, in Matthew 11, Jesus describes himself as meek and lowly. So if he perfectly mirrors the Father, and by the way, if you got a chart, put Jesus on one side. That's what we're going to do, and the Father on the other side. We're going to compare the two natures of God. If Jesus perfectly mirrors the Father and he's meek and lowly, who's the Father? Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. He's angry. He's mean. He's out to get you. You did something bad tonight, and is your mama here? Oh, good. She did something bad tonight, (laughs) and and he's out to get you. So you better watch out. You better watch your back. That's the way people think, really and truly. He's an angry God that's out to get me. I can never mess up, and if you can never mess up, then you give up. Yeah, that's right. And so we've got to create an environment where people can mess up and still be loved, but we don't want to encourage them to mess up. We want to love them. So the next one. So under the Father, we put meek and lowly, the next nature of Jesus. He's gentle and humble. Paul tells us that in his letters, that Jesus is gentle and humble. Well, if he perfectly mirrors the Father, what do we have to put under the Father? That he's gentle and humble. Anybody disagree? No, he's the angry God. My mama told me that if I stayed out in a nightclub all night long, I was going to hell. And she slapped me. And she made me believe that I was a floozy, that I was a whore, and that I was going to have all these kids before I ever got married. And that's who I was going to be. Why? Because I didn't live up to her standard of who God was, and God was always mad at me. I did give up. I did become that whore. I did have kids out of wedlock. I did all the things that she spoke over me that I was going to do. Was it her fault? No, I believed it. See, we're not out to blame anybody. We've got to quit blaming mom and dad. And understand what cause and effect is all about. You know, cause and effect... Because I believed and embraced the word curse, it played out in my life. Now, thank God for forgiveness. The next nature, the next characteristic. Jesus is generous. Remember the story about the 5,000? What did he do? He fed them all. 
And what did he feed them with? With everything he had. You know, he took everything he had and he fed the 5,000 people. John 5, 19 says Jesus can't do anything except what he's seen the Father do. So where do you get the idea to feed those people? So what do we have to put under the character of God, of the Father? That he's generous because Jesus got that idea from him. Next characteristic. Compassionate. Oh, Lord. Jesus is compassionate. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not. <laughs> not me. I'm a prophet. I'm an apostle. I'm whatever. I am not compassionate. I used to not be. <laughs> Ask those people that know me really well. That's one thing I have to work on, but thank goodness for grace. Okay. Jesus, the Bible says in James 5.11, I told you that earlier, he cares right down to the last detail. And if James, I mean, if John 5.19 is correct, where did he get the idea that sometimes we got to be compassionate to people in their sin? Come on, Jesus. It's the whole reason Jesus came. So what do we have to put under the nature of the Father? He's compassionate. Isn't this nice to know? I could have had a V8 30 years ago. <laughs> I could have had this belief 30-some years ago. I could have been living this life all these years. Except I embraced the legalistic, God is mad and angry at me. All right, the next one real quick. We only got a couple more. Forgiving. <laughs> Jesus is forgiving. 70 times 7. Anybody ever figured out exactly how many times that is? Let me tell you that you have to forgive in a day. You have to forgive 70 times, seven times a day. No throat punching. <laughs> Where did he get the idea? John 3.16 says, For Father God so loved the world that he gave what he had, his son Jesus. He forgave us before there ever was an us because of Jesus Christ. So what do we have to put under the nature of the Father? He's forgiving. What's the next characteristic? Oh, that one's big. Non-judgmental. Okay, guys, we're done. No, I'm Non-judgmental. How many people in here may have a problem or two with that one? Oh, of course we all do. Non-judgmental. But doesn't John 3.17 say that for Jesus came into the world not to judge the world, but that the world through him might be saved? I got this guy on Facebook. I should, you know what I should do? I should start giving everybody his name. She knows him. And have all of y'all go to his Facebook page and just tell him what a great person I am. <laughs> Because he's always posting things about how I'm taking all you guys to hell because I'm a female preacher. And if you listen to a female preacher, you're going to go to hell with me. You know, wonder who hurt him. Wonder who, well, I wonder what woman hurt him and wounded him. Okay, well, if Jesus, if John 3.17 gives us Jesus' mandate and he's not supposed to be judgmental, then what's the characteristic of the Father? You're going to mess up. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to mess up. Ha. Huh. <laughs> you will. That means amen. 
You will. Be careful how you judge that person beside you. Because you're going to become just like them in your mess up. Except for grace. Grace. Thank God for grace. And the next one. A loving servant. This is the last one. This one makes me cry every single time when you get the full revelation of what a loving servant Jesus was. How did Jesus show his disciples the full extent of his love? He washed their feet, but you know what he did before he washed their feet? He took off his robe of authority. He took off his identity, and he humbled himself before these men that walked alongside of him, and he washed their feet. That was showing them the full extension of his love. Where did he get the idea? John 5, 19. Jesus couldn't do anything except what he saw Daddy do. So where did he get the idea? Because you see, religion has told us that you're going to go to heaven and Peter's going to be there at the pearly gate and he's going to have the book. And the book, did you mess up today? Your name's not in that book. You better watch out, brother. And if your name's not in that book, then you're just cast into utter darkness. No way. I mean, I'm not saying that there's not a Lamb's Book of Life. Please don't hear that. But the Lamb's Book of Life is not based on your performance. The Lamb's Book of Life is based on your relationship with Father God and love. So, here's what I think Jack Winter taught us this. I think when I get to heaven... my father my daddy who I never could understand that God could be daddy is going to humble himself and he's going to show me the full extent of his love he's going to wash my feet and he's going to say welcome home Trisha you did a good job but it wasn't your job you loved me well See, I think that's the only question we're ever going to be asked is how did you love? How did you love? It's the only thing I care about anymore is how I love you, how I love the people that God sends me. I may laugh. I mean, I'm still human. There are still people I want to throat punch. <laughs> but I tell my, my son's a state trooper, and I tell him, I say, Micah, what if you had to kill somebody? Could you kill somebody? And he goes, yeah, he goes, I would just simply grab them, put my gun at their head, and go, give your heart to Jesus Christ, because you're going to visit him in just a few minutes. I go, good, good. Then I bless you to kill people. I don't want my son dying from stupidity. But anyway, what I'm saying is my daddy, my daddy going to meet me there. And he's going to be right there, and he's going to show me the full extent of his love. And you see, I've got to represent this father to the world if I want to see change. So what is it that I believe that hinders me from knowing my papa that way? Because I don't just throw the name papa around. I mean, I love that name now. But if that's offensive to somebody, I'm not going to just throw that out so I look better than you. I'm just going to go live love. And people, they seek me out. I was in a store not too long ago, and a lady walked up to me, and she, I'm going, what? And she comes 
This is no lie. Weird stuff like this happens to me all the time. Ask Marlene. Everywhere I go, this kind of stuff happens. And I go, what are you doing? She goes, you smell different. And I thought to myself, well, you know, I've got on this level. I don't wear perfume because it, I can't. But I had on this oil, and I thought, it's just my love oil. And then I realized I ran out of love oil two weeks ago and had it on order. And she told me, she goes, there's something that smells different. Genesis 27, 27 talks about your scent. Ah, the scent of my son. It's like the, the air after the rain. Have you ever been in a rainstorm? That's how he sees you. He's sniffing you. He's sniffing you. I want to be sniffed. I'm tired of sniffing people, though. I'm going to live my life with this belief structure from now on. And I'm going to break. I'm going to do my best. I'm not going to perform. But I'm going to do my very best to break agreement with lies that I've embraced that said I should. You should do this. You should do that. In order to be something, you should, you should, you should. I'm tired of people shouldn't on me. (laughs) And I just want to love. I just want to go and love the world. I want to love people that are unlovable. Because you see, if God's putting somebody across your path, there's a reason. You're emanating something that they need. And see, this is who we are now. That's why I like this church. This is who they are. This is who they are. This is what comes off the stage. It's not talent. Anybody that's got a halfway decent voice with all the instruments and all the microphone sound stuff can come across like this. It's what's coming out of here. What am I saying that you would want to come and sniff me out? I'm saying that I've received his love and I'm giving it away. So here's what we want to do real quickly. Thank you, Marlene. We're going to pass. We're going to have communion. And I do communion with chocolate (laughs) communion wafers. (laughs) Please, please hear this. This is not holy communion. You know, I don't want anybody to think I'm making fun of communion. But tonight, for some of you, I kind of cut your heart out a little bit. And what I want to do is I want to give you some chocolate to ease the pain as we really cut your heart out for ministry time. So what I want you to do, just grab one. You know, it doesn't matter what kind. Just grab one and so we can get this along. And what we're going to do is we are going to break. Normally I show this video and it's kind of a tearjerker thing and I'm not going to do that because I don't know you guys super well yet. So what I want to do is just help facilitate a beginning of changing our image of ourselves first. Because if you change your image of who you are, you're going to see him a lot clearer. He's not a punisher. He's not a punisher. Will you reap consequences of bad behavior? Of course you will. But there's grace. So I want everybody to look. When you get your communion wafer, look at it. Isn't it pretty? These are really, really pretty. Ghirardelli did a good job. But... There's so many. I think there's like over 60 different kinds of Ghirardelli chocolate wafers. There's, I've got dark chocolate sea salt, milk chocolate caramel. There's raspberry. There's mint. There's peppermint bark at Christmas time. There's milk chocolate. There's sea salt caramel. You see, I've had them all. 
And they all taste good. That's why I can't lose weight. They all taste good. And the Lord wants you to know you're like this package. You are wrapped beautifully in His grace and in His mercy and in His character and in His nature. And He made each one of you to taste good. He really and truly did. But the world is going to taste and see that He is good in you. And so He made you all individually unique I just love this. You guys were ready with this song. We're going to listen to this song they're going to sing, and then I'm going to lead you, lead you into breaking agreement with some word curses. But I want you to hear this song. Thank you. 
Father, forgive me for living in fear. And I break agreement with fear. And I embrace courage because you're courageous. Father, I thank you that you're compassionate. And I ask you to forgive me for judging you as, in, as not being compassionate. 
Father, I ask you to change my eyes, to forgive my heart. I ask for your Holy Spirit to just come and encounter me. I asked you for a Damascus Road experience because I don't want to persecute what you love. So, Father, forgive me. My image of you as Punisher. And tonight, I choose to embrace that tonight is a marker moment for me and that you are my Papa. And I give you permission to prove that to me. In Jesus' name. Enjoy your chocolate. It's really good.